Hey everyone, welcome to Just the Basics. I'm Tommy Bowles. I'm Matt Shaw. And we're keeping the beat here for you once a week. I, I think, Matt, this week, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but we're, we're talking about practice, right? The practice of practicing. Like, not not the shows or the games or whatever, just the, the practice. The, the practice. Oh, man. The craft. The practice. <laughs> Great. So, you know, we put all this work in, and, and that's what people want to talk about is practice. Not They don't care about anything else. <laughs> How do we get good so that they can get better than us and take our jobs? We're going to take our jobs. Uh, there it is. That's the truth. The truth comes out. We finally know. <laughs> Listeners going to steal our gigs. Uh, <laughs> so the, the first question I want to ask, Matt, is uh, do you even like practicing? I like the practicing part. It's the um, convincing myself to practice that I don't like. I can I can understand that. I I'm kind of the same way. Once I get into that groove, like I I enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. It's hard for me to put the instrument down. But exactly. Making myself pick it up in the first place that's that's a little harder. That's the tricky part because I always feel like nah, I don't feel like practicing. But if I just pick up the dog on guitar, then it'll be in my hands for a couple hours probably. Yeah, it can be frustrating. And you know what's really irritating to me too is once I get in that groove, is if someone interrupts me, then I it's it's really hard for me. Yeah, I, can, I get so frustrated. I can like, I get so involved with uh, playing through stuff that I uh, that that man mode turns on where the wife will be saying something, and then I feel bad because I don't hear what she might have said and have to make her repeat it or something. <laughs> and then you don't want to admit it. I don't either. So you just kind of pretend like you know what's going on, and then it backfires. Because I feel terrible whenever I have those moments. It's not as bad as when I play Dark Souls. The same Souls, thing happens so to me. Fine. Right. The same thing happens to me. It's like I you know, I don't want to admit that I don't know what was just said to me. But at the same time, I know if I don't admit it, it's going to get worse in the end. <laughs> so about those plans on Wednesday. What? <laughs> yeah, what 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 plans? I don't I don't remember this. That was when you or, were playing Saturday in the park. <laughs> <laughs> or you look, what's this charge for $2000 in the bank account? Oh, we talked about this. Really? I, I don't remember that. Thankfully, that one's never happened to me, but it could happen. <laughs> oh, man. So practice is one of those things nobody really wants to do, but it's worth it in the end. You don't get to be good if you don't actually put the work in. Mm-hmm. Pretty straightforward. Like, you know, like if you watch some somebody like Victor Wooten, it just looks so easy for them that it's hard to believe that they had to work on that. and. uh you know, sometimes it makes you not want to practice when you see somebody that good, or sometimes it makes you want to practice. I guess it just depends on the type of person you are. But right, it's one of those things that it's hard to do. It's hard to make yourself do, but worth it in the end. Very much so, especially with uh, if you're practicing for a performance or something, mm-hmm. or just in general. Really, now there are a few like there are a few misconceptions with practicing though that people uh, get all the time that I think we should address. Uh, the first one is the amount of time that you practice. Mm-hmm. So I don't really want to put a time on the amount of time that I practice because I feel like people are going to judge me. So I'm going to say I'm going to pass on that question. <laughs> um, but 
you know, some people think you have to practice eight hours a day to be great, but that's just simply not the truth. Yeah, you'll um, you'll burn yourself out. I mean, a lot of the time, people think about the uh, what is it like uh, five thousand hours or something? I forget how much time it is, but if you spend this much time on anything, you become an actual master of it. And people dwell on right. that thought a little bit too much, but they don't realize that if you spend five thousand hours practicing poorly, then you've just made a master of bad musician. That's true. That's true. If you practice the wrong thing, it doesn't help you. Um, and it's like, I mean, you have those people that are the weekend warrior, you know, they pra- they practice on Saturdays cause that's all the only day they feel like they have time to play or whatever. Right. They sit down and they play for two, three, four hours in a row. And they're like, yeah, I got my practicing in. But the truth of the matter is if they would have worked on it, the same exact things for 10 or 15 minutes a day over the whole seven days instead of all that time in one day, they probably would have made more progress on the instrument. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird how that works, but it's definitely the truth. Like one thing that I fell victim to was preparing for my junior recital in college was I was like, man, I got to practice this. And so I was like two to three hours every day in the practice room. And then I'd work like twice as much on Saturdays. Problem is I didn't make any extra progress on Saturdays and I couldn't figure out why. It's something about the way the brain works and the way that the human body is. It doesn't actually do you any good to practice that extra time if you're not focused during that time. Mm-hmm. Like, I would get into my routine of, okay, my two hours, you know, I'd go in, I'd warm up on this section of the music that I knew comfortably, and then I'd move on to this, move on to something I didn't know, set the metronome down, speed it up, whatever it was. And then the days that I spent longer, I'd lose focus after I hit that normal amount of time. And then I, you know, I was wondering, I was like, why am I not getting better at this? I know I'm working extra hard on it from normal. Uh, you know, just I couldn't focus more than what my, I couldn't focus for that long. So I had to take a break, but I didn't let myself take a break because I'm like, I got to do this right now. And uh, that was a bad decision. Mm-hmm. Didn't work out for me as well as I thought it was going to. I would rather take several breaks during my practice period and spend less time, total time practicing then spend so much time that I lose focus on what I'm doing and end up messing everything up. Yeah, I kind of um, take advantage of practice time by taking breaks to literally just organize my sheet music because mm-hmm. I, I have a ton of it. I have literally like two huge binders full of loose sheet music and um, there's not really much um, order to the mess. Like there's a... There's just enough from the first time that I organized it that there's a system there. Like there's a entire section devoted to <laughs> what is generally swing music. There's a bunch that's uh, right. technically like bossa or Latin stuff. I even at one point there was a, a small little bit of it that was all three four, <laughs> um, or ballads and things like that, and uh, then more commercial, uh, contemporary stuff. But whenever I uh, need to just take a little breather or I've been working on something that's tricky under my fingers and feel frustrated, then I just take a moment to tackle the mess a little bit, get things in order, um, look at everything that I have, trash anything that like some coffee spilled on or something, or um, Mm -hmm. think about what I should be adding to it. Uh, I have a folder that's literally songs I want to learn, like really want to get Mm -hmm. into myself. And then, um, right. and that's separate from the massive amount of music on the side. So a lot of the time I'll go through that folder and see, is there anything here that 
I've now picked up enough times that I feel really comfortable with and could whip out on a dime or am I holding a folder of mystery that, um, I really need to get to. And, um, and if I start running out of that folder and it's running low and I've added a lot of stuff to my repertoire binder, then I need to go to my real books and see what is, uh, what I could do next and what things I want to work on. And I always try to mix up the style. So I might spend a little bit of time on jazz, but then I will take a break. And then after that, I'll focus on maybe something that's rock since I have a bunch of students that love rock music. And if my quote unquote rock chops aren't up to snuff, then I won't remember all those riffs that they want to learn because I simply don't use them. <laughs> right. Yeah, one thing I like to do is I like to get up to go get a snack. <laughs> <laughs> Me? Go through the file cabinet. You? Get a snack. That's the difference between bassists yeah. and guitarists. <laughs> bassists live a simple life. <laughs> I go get me some chips. I used to go to the vending machines that were right outside the practice rooms at, at Liberty, and I'd get, you know, I, those monster coffees. Those things are probably so terrible for you, oh, but yeah. they're surprisingly good. Yeah, I'm sure that they're awful. I'd get, but yeah, I'd get one of those and some cheese, cheese and crackers, and that was like my lunch for the day because that was all I could afford at the time. I feel like drinking <laughs> too many monsters that at some point someone somewhere will just press a button and then you'll just instantly go zombie. It has all the chemicals that your body just goes nuclear and you're just ah right. <laughs> <laughs> Ginseng. Yeah. Those things have to be so bad for you. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I drank way too many of those in college. But I I didn't like like the like the green flavor or whatever they call it, like the soda ones. I only like the coffee. The actual one. energy drinks. Yeah, the actual energy energy drinks I didn't like, but the coffee one I really liked. I like I remember drinking I those back in middle school before I was thinking mm -hmm. and then by like late high school when I tried again, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like literally drinking odd chemicals that are just going to explode in time. And yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah, guitar players don't need any more stress. And, no, I mean, I mean, <laughs> plug into the wrong tube amp, drink a monster and <laughs> you never know what might happen. <laughs> I had a bass amp one time that would pick up radio frequencies. Um, so like <laughs> I turned it on. And all of a sudden, and this was like during a church service or something. Oh, that's great. And all of a sudden, you started hearing some uh, radio station playing Latin music start coming through my amp. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? So I just shut the amp off. I'm like, ah, just happened. What? <laughs> Everybody's looking at me like I did it on purpose. I'm like, I I've never heard this before. What are you talking about? I don't know what this is. I had an amp that used to do that. I'm not sure what it is about it um, that makes that happen, but it, it's certainly interesting. I'm sure electrical people understand yeah. perfectly why that happens, but... Um, <clears throat> I'm sure someone out there could tell you, but it's not me. No, I don't know. I, I just know that occasionally you get to hear in on an odd radio frequency and <laughs> it mm -hmm. colors your music a little bit. And see, folks, these are the types of uh, types of conversations we'd have when we were practicing and we wanted to take a break. Exactly. We, we, we'd just uh, be like, hey, uh, so Donald, nah, snack time. 
Yeah, we'd be in the middle of rehearsal because we we rented a house in Virginia when we were in college, and we would practice in the basement all the time. So we we played together all the time. So we'd we'd always find something to go take a break to do. Diablo three. Whether. Yeah, exactly. Normally it was Diablo three. I still can't believe my wife liked that game as much as she does. It is shocking. I mean, Bethany liked it. My sister swears that we we're up until like 3 a.m. all playing it together. I don't remember a single thing of that. <laughs> I don't remember that either. I remember a lot of times when we played that game, though, I'd get tired of it after a point and be like, I just want to stop and play something that's actually in, engaging. Yeah, I know. I remember like, like we'd just be fun. playing it for hours and then there'd be a point where it was just completely mindless because of uh, just using the same patterns over and over and yet we'd keep playing. Yeah. <laughs> well, normally I'd look at you and you'd have the same look on your face that I did, but then I'd look over at Michaela and she'd be like really into it being like, where'd my character go? I can't find him again. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the loot? She <laughs> she would think she was controlling one of our characters. She'd be like, I'm doing so great. And we're like, no, you're not. You're running into the wall. <laughs> Why is my crusader casting a lightning storm? That's me. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. She loved that game. It's a good game. Oh, it my really gosh. Is. It is. It, it is. It's, a, it's not a bad game at all. But whenever you're playing Diablo, <laughs> you're certainly not uh, playing bass or guitar or whatever no (laughs) i mean you probably could manage it if you learned how to use the controller with your feet it's not like it takes that much to uh beat that game (laughs) or you could learn how to play the guitar with your feet this is true i'm sure there's a there's a weirdo or two out there i mean i have some students that always ask me can i play the piano with my feet i'm like no (laughs) that's Uh, weird yeah (laughs) I've seen people do it before. I've seen YouTube videos, but normally it's somebody that doesn't have arms and they learned because they had to. That was the only way they could play it. If you have a Django so, excuse, then it's fine, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. Django Reinhardt, for everybody that doesn't know, he only had three fingers, Matt, or was it two? Technically, I think, uh, well, as far as your like, fingers think- that can play guitar, his... Uh, his ring finger and pinky were the ones that were disabled, but he'd still use it. If, if I remember, uh, okay, I that's think that's that's how it is. Like his pointer and middle finger worked fine, but his pinky and ring finger didn't. Ironically, that's kind of how I was taught to play bass with the pinky and ring finger together. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And uh, yep, so he common. kind of like read Well, he didn't kind of. When he was in the hospital for that, he completely redid how uh, all of his chord shapes worked in order to continue playing guitar because he was that crazy about it. That that's a fun story. His wife accidentally lit him on fire. <laughs> oh man, that way of telling the story just means you have to tell the rest of the story. You can't just say that and then leave it. <laughs> It was a total accident. She literally got up in the middle of the night to, I believe, to get a drink or something. And uh, he was still sleeping in their caravan because um, they uh, they were... They were gypsies. Yeah, they were Romani. And, um, and she accidentally knocked over a candle without noticing. So she was getting a drink, turned around, and the caravan was on fire and Django was still in there. And... Uh, they got him out of there. They took him to the hospital. He was pretty badly burnt, and but the only uh, permanent injury that he had were those two fingers. But so while he was recovering in the hospital, he completely made his own uh, technique for 
playing because that's literally all he did since he was a kid was play guitar. Right. Um, what a legend. Yeah, he's an incredible inspiration. I mean, he was one of those guys that he made it through um, World War II with the Nazis all about, and they did not like the, the Romani very much, but he uh, he played his heart out and made it by and eventually came over here and played with all the greats, or at least a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the ones that were still around. Yeah, yeah. He played with Duke Ellington at some point. Mm. That's that, that would be good stuff right there. Yeah. And Duke Ellington didn't use guitar all that often. No, not at all. It's kind of surprising he that that's the band that he ended up it. playing with, just because um, you don't hear guitar in pretty much anything with Duke. No, you don't. Except for when Django showed up. They liked then him. you hear it. I mean, why wouldn't you? He yeah. seemed like a cool guy. <laughs> well, and I mean, if you ever hear him play... Like, You'd be real dumb oh not my gosh! To. I mean, yeah. If if a guy like that shows up and he's playing guitar that good, and you don't hire him, like you've probably committed career suicide. <laughs> that or you're dirt poor. Well, yeah, that too. Well, and again, he, he'd probably know, take he anything. Could. He's like, hey, I get to play guitar. You're gonna give me some cash. I'm good. <laughs> I'm yeah, gonna be playing I, I anyway. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I don't know how he charged stuff, but I would imagine that he probably didn't didn't get paid an arm and a leg for stuff. He'd take a hedgehog for dinner. Yeah. That's not even a joke. They, they, they'd eat hedgehogs. That is crazy. Ugh. Gross. Poor hedgehogs. They must have been okay if they would have ate Oh, them, yeah. It's, it, I, it's I, still I a delicacy to. over there, but it's, it's, a, it's an odd animal choice for a... Uh, for a meal, but then again, there's also people out there that eat spiders, so I'd take the hedgehog any day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. I don't like spiders. <laughs> well, that's a good segue though to uh, practicing again <laughs> with your spider fingers. The, the real... <laughs> well, it actually is a good segue because there's one thing I used to practice all the time. I I still do it all the time. There's probably a better name for it, but I call it spidering up and down the fingerboard. Mm-hmm. So to warm up, what I do is I play, this is almost every time that I start practicing, I play the same scale or same drill. What I do is I, I take, I pick any four frets on the instrument and do one finger per fret and just do one, two, three, four, then up a string, one, two, three, four, up a string, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. And then I go up a half step and do the same thing going back down. Mm-hmm. And then I'll do that over the entire neck to just to get my fingers used to moving. And then I'll change the pattern. I'll do one, two, four, three, one, two, four, three. Mm-hmm. Or one three two four, one three two four, one three four two, one four two three, and one four three two. Mm. And then I'll do all the same patterns again, starting on the second finger: two one three four, two one four three, two three one four, two three four one, two four one three, two four three one. And then do the same thing starting on the third finger. And that's how I get started when I'm practicing. Normally, that takes me about five to ten minutes to go through everything. Mm-hmm just because I do it multiple times. And I feel like that's a really good way for me personally to warm up because it gets the blood flowing and it gets me thinking. Because even though I do that every day, I still can't do it without thinking about it. I still have to think, okay, what's next? You know? <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What pattern did I forget about or whatever? I don't know. I feel like that's a pretty engaging way, especially on bass strings because they're a little bit heavier than guitar strings. Yeah, I mean, so I use that on guitar you... too, the same exact exercise, but it... uh. It warms up your fingers without just playing 
the same exact major scale shape that you always start with right. um, because that can mm-hmm. that can be a bad habit for your, your soloing sake but if you warm up your fingers with the that spidering style then you'll get the uh the same warm up like the muscular warm up without mm-hmm. locking yourself into um singular habits like uh, you don't really want to start right. with a pentatonic scale or um one of the major scale shapes or a minor scale or something like that like you you should play those scales and get really good with them but i don't think that that's the best idea for um an actual physical warm-up just because you don't want to um accidentally default yourself in a performance situation because if you uh if you're unsure what to do on stage and when you're improvising or something, then you might end up just defaulting. It'll sound bad. No one's impressed with that, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. So if you diversify yourself and keep yourself on your toes, then you have a better shot of feeling more comfortable anyway. And um, another thing to kind of go beyond with with that exercise is uh, something that I was taught in uh, my short private lesson intensive back at Liberty. Um, you do the same exact thing, um, with just spidering up the frets. I don't know if you, you can really do it out of order with this exercise. I'd have to actually pick up guitar and see, but, um, after you hit (laughs) the note with, you have to keep all of your fingers as close to the strings as possible. They can never lift away. You have to. Um, so Mm -hmm. once you hit your, like your first finger, And when you put down your second finger, you've already put your first finger on the next string up. And then you continue to do Mm. that. And then they just, uh, it basically trains your fingers to move extremely fast with minimal effort. Um, And it's trickier than it sounds. That's one of those things you have to do intentionally and incredibly slowly. Yeah, you have to really, and that's that is something you have to do. Like, don't do it quickly. It'll train your fingers to be quick, but you have to do it very slowly and intentionally, and take your time with it. Like, it's it's kind of like stretching before run, kind of a thing. Um, Making sure that you have good form in your uh, stretch or when you're lifting weights or something like that, because it's going to prepare your muscles properly it'll help with your technique mm-hmm. it'll make you a little less sloppy because uh when you end up playing really quickly a lot of the problems that people will have is that their technique is just so slightly off that they'll end up with some um like some fret buzz a note won't sound out properly things like that um they're playing too quickly for their fingers to actually handle it um, you miss notes, things like that. Right. So if you practice with that, then you will literally start to skip the movement of pulling your fingers way mm-hmm. away from the fingerboard, which um, as much as that can look cool in some situations, it's a real waste of energy and time that could it be is, put yep. toward actually getting to the next note. So sure, sometimes yeah. you can be flashy and have some fun, but you have to be very intentional about that in the first place and like put that on a line right. where it doesn't actually matter. Because sure, when your fingers right. are going all wild and crazy, it looks cool, but you have to know that that's not how you play. That's not proper technique for right. helping you get better. Right. Like the whole point of practicing working on technique is to free yourself up to not have to think about what your fingers are doing but to think about the sound that you want to come out. Mm -hmm. So when you're practicing, it's not always the most fun thing in the world to 
play half steps and play them very slowly and intentionally. But the thing is, that's why I do that as a warm up, because then I get myself in that mindset of this is the proper technique to use. So then when I go to play something more complicated, say Donnelly or Scrapple from the Apple or whatever, I can, I'm free to move my fingers because I've already got the blood flowing and I'm already in that mindset of this is how they work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's, and it makes a big difference. Like if I don't warm up before a gig, it normally takes me a, a good song or two to get into it. Yeah, which is one of those finally... problems because you want a really strong start to any gig, especially in a situation that people are actually listening to you. Um, if you're just background mm-hmm. music, then you want a nice and calm start because they probably won't be listening until later in the set. But um, mm-hmm. there will be those that will listen to that first song anyway. So don't think that just because you're playing for a banquet that your first song doesn't matter because... It, Pretty much everyone loves music, especially good music. So you will have a lot of the crowd that when you start playing, they will pay attention. Then they'll calm down and then they'll be back around with their attention by the end when they're sick of talking to their friends. (laughs) (laughs) That's too funny. So, Matt, how would you say that you structure your practice routine? Or do you even have a routine that you do the same thing? Um, I think that... There's like a very mild structure to it. I don't have something where like I sit down and um, go radio silent or anything like that. Um, There are times that I do that, that I will like go and plug my phone into the charger, go to a different room, um, turn on uh, maybe a backing track at most to focus on or something like that. But there's like completely nothing that can even distract me. And that's if I'm home alone or something. But Typically, my routine is to, um, after picking up the guitar, do short warm-ups, like you said. I don't spend too long on it just because time is money kind of a thing. Um, if I'm not planning a right, long right. session of actually, like, it basically musically working out, then um, I'm going to get into it pretty quick so that I can get, get right. to it. And um, plus, as a teacher... Honestly, I have to be on point all the time. I don't really have time for a warm-up when I get to a student's lesson. If I'm not ready to, bam, get right into it, then um, Mm -hmm. it's kind of one of those things where I have to challenge myself to be able to hop right into something and be able to play it well. So part of my routine really is to not let myself warm up for too long because I have to be ready to go at a moment's notice. Right. And I have so many students yeah, that I like to have, even on piano, like, I yeah. have to be just ready right, to go. Right. Mm-hmm. I like to give myself like a good two to five minutes to warm up. Yeah. And that's normally all I need. Um, it depends on what I'm practicing. If I'm working on a new technique, I'll use that new technique as my warm up. Sure. Yeah. You know, um, wh- the way I warm up always changes is sometimes I'll just play a tune that I know really well, like Have You Met Miss Jones? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I know that one like the back of my hand. So, to, oh, wait, hey, that's new. Um, anyways, uh, <laughs> um, so if I'm playing, the, I'll use that as a warm-up a lot of times because it's really easy. I know, I know it, I've played through it a hundred times, and it, I like it. It's something enjoyable for me. Right, right. A lot of the time, like my go-to warm-up song, at least for the moment, is um, is around midnight. I'll play the chord melody for that because I, it's mm-hmm. not like I need the music for it. It's totally memorized. I've been trying to work on um, 
you know, sprucing it up a little bit more than, uh, than it has been work on getting it quickly with no effort. Um, I want to change that soon to something else because it's pretty mm -hmm. much just good to go. Like I can perform it at any given point. It's just ready. Right. Um, I can solo over it on my own. I can play any part of it at any time. It's something that it's just now it's good to go. And I, I need to like change it to something else. Like maybe, um, lullaby of Birdland will probably be my next one to really get in there. And, uh, cause the chord melodies that I play, a lot of the time that frees up my um, my mind for having every role at once. Like I'll pay attention to the bass line that I'm playing, the chords that I'm playing, getting a proper shape in, being melodic and getting that melody out, things like that. So it, it gets me into the mindset that I need. And um, then after that, I'll usually move on to whatever specific song I've been working on. Um, mm -hmm. Like for, for a while there, it was Donna Lee. Then I kind of fell off of that because I got bored with it. And uh, <laughs> and then I was working on yeah. more original stuff, like the for giving us a new intro and, and such and uh, trying to come up with new ideas for that and some new originals. And that's what I've been working on recently. So I need to pick up like a new piece to focus on. But uh Right. And after that, then I just kind of open that folder of who knows what, um, play through a couple of them. I always, when I'm playing um, new stuff from that folder, I'll usually play it as a chord melody. That way I am still training that mindset of playing everything at once. Um, well, I feel like it helps you memorize songs better too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It gets me more familiar with it. It helps me identify the uh, what is unique about each song um, helps me to see patterns uh, and it just challenges me to think harmonically because I can sight read most of anything in the real book I mean there are a couple out there like picking up some skunk funk would be quite an issue but um, mm. it doesn't benefit me yeah. much to just be like hey let, I'm just gonna sight read this old standard that it, it it's instant like I know exactly what's there kind of a thing but if I'm working on uh say bye bye blackbird as a chord chord melody well I certainly don't have it memorized and it's not that difficult but it makes me um look for ways to um add in chord subs that might be interesting uh play around with the harmony a bit figure out uh, stuff with the rhythm and it um, can help with my mind for arranging those tunes. So say I'm just playing through it because most of the stuff that I play, I'll just play swung unless it's a Latin tune um, and right. play it that way and be working on a, a walking bass line with my lower fingers because I really want to get down that Joe Pass thing and uh, I'm not there yet. Mm. Um, <laughs> but uh no, but yeah, that, yeah that, that's an amazing technique. That, that's something that will take years to get to. And I, it's I, a lifetime to master that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like being able to actually fill in the bass part while you're playing everything else is incredible. But I'm working on it. It's much easier in Latin tunes, I'll tell you that. <laughs> right. Um, well, it, me personally, I hope you never master that because then I'm out of a job. <laughs> <laughs> it, it still doesn't actually measure up to having a bass player, even in Joe Pass's case. It's still best when he's That's got true. a guy there. 
Um, but it's That's it's true. still really so impressive having an when he's organ player. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they're an organ player that does nuts. that. That that will take my job. They are. Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> they, I swear they have two brains. I don't. I don't know how. Don't know how it's possible. I I don't understand <laughs> it either. Like I I'm fine on piano, but that extent of multitasking and filling in parts like that is just beyond my comprehension at least right now like maybe in like 30 years i'll be playing some cool stuff on a keyboard but not these days uh, it's it'll pretty never straightforward for me. <laughs> i can solo on a keyboard all oh day long gosh. but that that don't ask me to play something underneath while i slow solo because I, I don't right. know i don't understand how people can do that <laughs> that's too funny i mean i can do it oh, on a guitar man. so i guess it shouldn't be that weird but it's still weird yeah it, well, it's back to the whole technique thing. I mean, if, when your technique is good enough, you don't have to think about the notes. Yeah, they just happen, and so that's why people want to get. That's why you want to get good at with your technique because, like, there are times where I've got an idea in my head that I can't play on my instrument because my my hands won't do it, mm -hmm. and there's nothing more frustrating to me than that. You know. Yeah, especially at the moment with me really interested in. Uh, slap bass and double thumping Victor Wooten style and I don't even have mm -hmm. the simple slap lines uh, at a good point yeah. at this and uh, I really want to get things down like that and it's difficult not to try to rush into it but um, at least I have the comfort that double thumping is yeah, a different technique from slap <laughs> Yeah, it's a different thing to master so yeah. I can focus on that a little bit but uh, I, I definitely want to get better at you know the foundations of of that style which mm -hmm. is in slap and i think um the more i've been listening there's a oh no i want to say his name is larry morgan but it does that sound familiar to you um his name his first name is larry. larry he he was a funk player larry johnson um is it are you thinking of larry johnson that that might be his name. I was literally watching videos of him last night, but it was so late that now my brain won't give me his name. No, um, maybe he he was like the guy for for slap bass way back when. Um, and I was watching a video of him telling yeah, a story yeah. of why he started slapping, and the reason was because they didn't have a drummer. That was simply it. He um he was oh, I wow. think it was he was playing gigs with his mother who was on uh some instrument I don't know. Um, the, I, I was a bit captivated, so I missed some of the details. And like I said, it was really late. But he didn't have a drummer, so he needed a uh, a sound of a bass, uh, a bass drum. So that's where the slapping came from. And then he felt like, well, how about the snare? So he started popping. And uh, mm -hmm. so he basically took over the role of the drummer that they didn't have. And filled up a ton of space and um he's the guy that did uh dance to the music uh thank you for letting me be myself i i don't know if those are the actual names of the tunes i just know the tunes um and it really are you thinking of lewis johnson um maybe i thought it was larry i can't remember I'm, there might be another guy that i'm not thinking of lewis johnson is the guy i was thinking of but Lewis Johnson. Oh, Larry Graham. Larry Graham. There we go. Thank you. There, that's it. Um, 
I knew yeah. it was a Larry, but uh, oh, he he's he's some smooth stuff. Vic, I, I got to that because I was watching those uh, videos of Victor Wooten talking, trying to figure out um how to properly double thump so I can start working on that um and teaching how to do that and I, I don't understand the finger position i think it's because my thumb can't bend back so i'm gonna have to find someone that's talking about it with a thumb that doesn't bend back because mine is flexible yeah. but it doesn't have that double joint and i think that's part of the uh the positioning for a lot of those guys and well i mean if i i can try to figure it out but i i just need help with that one yeah but uh part of what helped me with that is having the action super super low so that it doesn't have to take much to make the string do it. Because that way you don't have to put a lot of effort into it because mm -hmm. it hits the fingerboard and gets that slap sound, and then it gets the, hits the fingerboard again the other direction when you pop it up. That makes sense. I, I think my Warwick so, could probably be the lowered in action. But uh, anyway, like, I, so I was listening to it uh, to those videos of uh, Wooten talking and um, explaining his technique, mm -hmm. and he, uh, he started talking a lot about mm -hmm. his background and who he listened to and where he got... Um, all of his ideas so uh a right, ton right. of jocko that's where all of his harmonics stuff came from and uh and then he was talking a lot about larry graham um and that he's always been amazed that uh graham had very like quote-unquote simple bass lines but his uh sense of the groove and how easily he just locked in and um and supported everything that was necessary while practically just defining an entire song was um is what is what Wooten thinks about when he's writing his music that that's like the foundation right. underneath it and then uh he literally likes was explaining that all of his flashy stuff that people like he's putting over top of those uh foundational simple grooves um mm -hmm. that he got from those guys uh James Jamerson and um, all those. So w watching them and their technique and how easy it is for them, it makes you feel stupid when you can't replicate it. But um, that's why I think that a lot of your time in practice, you don't want to just lock yourself in a room and work on your technique and work on a song, work on memorizing and work on improvising all blah, 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 doing what your teacher told you to do. Um, always do what your teacher told you to do. I'm biased. Um, <laughs> but you want to make sure that you spend time listening and doing research, um, listening to the, the right. masters actually talk about their craft, but listen to the craft. I think a lot of students forget that they, um, if they're learning to play music, you mm -hmm. need to listen to music. You need to know. They forget to be musical. Exactly. You need to know the end result. You get so focused on the what you're doing that you forget what the point of it all is. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what you want to sound like, then how are you ever going to get there? Yeah if you'd have no destination. Yeah, exactly. So like a lot of the time you'll go on YouTube and you'll see a guy do a, uh, uh, I, I want to say a demo, but that's not it. Like an instructional thing on some classic guitar riff and all the notes are right, but he does, he or she does not play it very well. Um, it doesn't sound like the recording, um, whether, and I don't mean the tone. I mean, the way that they're playing it is just, wrong mm -hmm. it doesn't come out right and that's because they figured out the notes and then they made their video and it just doesn't 
sound good. They, they Maybe they didn't put heart in it. They didn't listen closely enough, things like that. But you'll see a lot of videos on online of people that are teaching how to play something when they don't actually play it well themselves. Um, right. So okay. that's one thing that, I mean, it's in a way, it's helpful that those videos are there because then it allows you to become discerning about the nuances. So say you want to learn uh, Def Leppard's Pour Some Sugar On Me guitar riff. A lot of the time, a ton of the videos I've watched are dead wrong and play it so mm -hmm. poorly and they add way too much to it when the original line is not it honestly it's not difficult at all and you can mm -hmm. get a ton out of it and a lot of what people are um are doing is they hear the nuances in the uh the guitarist playing i don't know his name the the playing and they try to replicate it and it's uh, honestly a lot of them they hear slide and they they actually just play a different note for the slide and that that that's infuriating not everyone does that but i've heard that and that's just awful but uh you have to really be able to um pay attention to what the end result is and remember that it's not necessarily about copying everybody's um technique make sure that you actually know um what it what what it is about that riff or lick or just the way someone's playing a melody that you love and absorb that into your mindset and your playing and then remember to allow your own twist on it so say i was covering mm -hmm. pour some sugar on me i'm not going to play it the exact way that what's his name played it because i'm playing it so i'm going to right. kind of take my own approach on it i have no idea what context i'd be playing that song i'm certainly not going to gig in a strip club but um, but the way that I like to play is usually I will learn something like that, I'll learn a riff like it, and then try to figure out how I can make it my own without violating the original. Because um, mm -hmm. I think that that's one of the most important parts is if you want to take your own original take on something, you have to be very careful that, um, especially with rock music, that you don't go too far. Um, because for a lot of people, if it's a classic line, uh, then you can't mess with it too much without offending them. It's kind of like if you walk into uh, a, an old-timey church and play Amazing Grace as a heavy metal anthem, and then, well, I don't want to know what happens to you, but... <laughs> You'll be chased by no a bunch knows, of grandmas. You'll never be found again. Yeah, yeah that, that's the one time <laughs> that grandmas become deadly. Um, <laughs> actually, deadly. Um, yeah, normally they just get run over by reindeers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been drinking too much eggnog. Um, what in the world? That is a. I don't think we're gonna be able to get that background noise out. That saw. Yeah, I mean, sorry, listeners. Cause we're talking. I'm sure that it won't last too long, but. Um, let's hope anyway. <laughs> so the, the whole point is, is when, when you're practicing, um, I always start with the sight reading part of it. Um, I mean, unless I happen to just know the song that I listen to, but, uh, and I'm learning something like that. Um, but if I'm trying to learn something out of the real book, I'll play it first I will um, work on the chords, work on the melody, put them together, such and such. And then 
I'll actually go and find um, recordings of it and figure out how other people have mm -hmm. done it. Because a lot of the time, the real book is close, but there are little right. teensy bits of the rhythm that are just so slightly different than um, the simplified version that they put into the real book because they want to make it readable. Right. But sometimes... And they notate it kind of square. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sometimes it's not completely right, you know, right. It's kind of stiff sometimes. Right, like, there's just a little bit of a nuance in the rhythm that they, instead of going wild and putting, oh, this is the 16th note of a quintuplet where he played it, instead of going wild, hmm. they decide to um, write it out straight and square, like you said, so that it's actually right. readable and um, and not confusing. That way, you listen to the recording, you figure out, oh, that's how I'm supposed to play it. And uh, then mm -hmm. you go back and um, and play it that way, and you figure out what you actually want to do. Just because Miles Davis played something one way doesn't mean you have to copy him. In fact, you shouldn't. Right. You should know how he played it and find your own way. He found his own way. Right. You find Be able to play it how he did. Yeah, sure. Do it in your own voice. Yeah, figure out a way of replicating that, even though you might be on bass or guitar or the piano, still figure out how he did it on his trumpet and uh, think about that. Keep it in mind. Absorb it. Figure out what uh, Cannonball did on that recording. Um, go listen to uh, Lettuce's version of it. Go listen to... Um, <laughs> Ella Fitzgerald sing it just completely absorb all these different versions and I know I'm talking from a like a jazz standard song but um a, pun a bunch of contemporary songs have a bajillion covers out there so if you want to learn Katy Perry song there's probably about 300 other people that have done versions of it that honestly a lot of them might be more interesting than the original <laughs> but uh a lot of them will be terrible, but you learn to to weed through that, find interesting ideas, and um, it teaches you how to arrange because you'll hear uh, one song done swung, and then you'll hear it done reggae, and you think, what? Because right. we used to play Isn't She Lovely constantly. Well, sometimes I just play a typical R&B soul groove along with it. Sometimes I'd right. switch mm -hmm. it up and literally play a reggae beat. And as a result, it would completely right, change. Yep. And uh, we talked about that in guitar roles is that simple um, choice in your stylistic approach will heavily affect a song. So if you figure out how to manipulate the tunes you play, um, whether it's by listening to a bunch of different versions and finding something you really like or by experimenting and uh, figuring out how to manipulate it yourself, then uh, you can really color your playing and find unique ways of entertaining your audience um, and stuff that you end up with within the studio and get famous for. <laughs> yep. Yeah, there's all sorts of different ways to do stuff. Just kind of depends on what what you like. Everybody has different things that they like the sound of, and chances are if you like it, somebody else will too. Mm -hmm. Not always. Sometimes people play stuff that's terrible that they should never play again. But normally, <laughs> well, I mean, normally if you like it, someone else will like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for instance, like uh, a couple years ago, I got really into uh, the Gorillas, not the old school uh, band, the Gorillas, but the now animated 
quote, uh, the animated band Gorillaz and uh, their style of music and the approach that they take. And I, I love it. I think all of their stuff is really fun. It, there's a lot of uh, poetic mm. commentary about it. Um, there's a lot of creativity. And, but I know when I showed it to you, the issue you had is that the drums weren't real. <laughs> Oh yeah, and you instantly were just like, eh, just because it was a uh, drum drum loops, because it's mostly just one guy uh, doing right mostly everything, and then with some collaborations of of other people, right. Um, and most of the time, the drums aren't real. I actually can't even think of a song where the drums are real, and that doesn't bother me too much. It does a little bit sometimes because it would be cool if it doesn't bother me now as much as it used to yeah yeah it used to just drive me nuts but now i i i've grown up a little bit <laughs> <laughs> but like that's one of those things where at, at the time like i was just relishing in their genius and the way that they were uh doing things and it was really inspirational but i showed the same thing to you you don't care not really <laughs> right uh, yeah. um and they they have uh really interesting stuff now that I followed as, as a result of just kind of, you know, ignoring some of the critiques and, and mm-hmm. not, and cause a lot of the time, like, I feel like we'd bounce things off of each other and affected each other's points of view to the point that at that point I could have right. just been like, ah, the gorillas are now ruined for me because Tommy didn't like it. <laughs> but instead I kept listening to <laughs> and, and, and loved them anyway. And, um, so you, right. I'm not saying that your opinion was wrong because you're allowed to dislike things and love other things, blah, 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 all that. No, I tell people all the time, it's okay to be wrong, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm right. It's okay if you're wrong. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you can love Coltrane if you like and you think that his music is very musical. Right. It still sounds like a bunch of crying seagulls. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Masterfully crying seagulls. Yeah. <laughs> Right, but uh, mine, 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 <laughs> mine, mine, mine. I want to overlay that into uh, uh, ab- not absolution, ascension, ascension. <laughs> Just stick finding Nemo sounds throughout it. It would fit right in. Just keep swimming, mine. <laughs> Just keep. Swimming. I mean, when you have twenty songs of screeching and caterwauling, I mean, uh, you wouldn't even notice. Yeah, it takes a special person to like that one, and I am not that special person. I, fi- I mean, it, it's one of those things that it's super relaxing, I guess, to have it on. But um, I have an issue of listening to it closely. I get really distracted yeah. and just kind of because I've, I've listened to it leisurely at times. And that's one of those that I'll turn on, leave on. And even if I try to pay attention, I'm going to lose focus on it. I, I wouldn't say it's not for me, but I would never, ever tried to actually learn how to play that stuff um i'm not even sure no, if there's I a method either. to it in the first place but that might be interesting to try to figure out if there's a way to do it <laughs> um i mean there is you I don't literally think I listen do that, though, and that means i have to listen to it for hours and i don't want to do that <laughs> 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 it was gonna be honest right there <laughs> now the listeners are going to be like, okay, how much money do we have to offer Tommy to get him to transcribe Ascension? <laughs> hmm. It probably wouldn't be a very good transcription, to be honest, anyways. Like, my ear is okay, but it's not that great. Hey, if the cash is in hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have the million dollars. Uh, right. It's in the key of something. 
There you go. Bye. F double sharp. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um. Anyway, I oh mean, do we gosh. want to? Uh, I don't know how long we've been going, but do we want to talk about how to uh, listen actively in your practice time? We can spend a few minutes on that. We don't have a ton of time left. Yeah, uh, we can spend a few minutes on that though. Okay. So uh, um, since I just talked quite a lot, how do you uh, do actively listen as a practice? You know that that's a really good question. And I kind of wish you wouldn't ask. No, um, <laughs> no it, I guess it depends on what I'm doing, you know. Um, I used to listen a lot with my instrument in my hands, and I would try to kind of play along with stuff. Mm. Um, I don't do that as often anymore because when I was doing, when I was practicing, when I was listening with my instrument in my hands, the reason was because I was trying to figure out what pitches to play, mm-hmm. what the right notes were, all that sort of thing. Um. I've since learned, though, that that's not the most important part of music. I mean, you can't have music without correct pitch and without correct rhythm. It's just, it won't be music musical anymore. But I also know if I play a wrong note, it's not the end of the world. So I listen a little bit differently now. I'm listening for, well, first of all, when I'm trying to listen to Activate or something, that is all I'm doing. I, I put my phone away. I'll have my headphones on or my speakers turned up, whatever it is I'm listening through. And a lot of times I'll have a pencil and paper there so I can jot down notes, things that I've noticed about it, whether it's a specific rhythm that I heard or um, a cool little line that I heard. I was like, oh, yeah, I like that one. I want to go back and figure that out. Mm-hmm. But I'm listening for different nuances in the playing. Like, did they play it differently the first time than they play it the second time? Or um, is there are they palm muting this instead of picking it or slapping it or um, I'm listening for just little differences in the playing because I know that I can get the notes and rhythms. I can figure that out, and, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to sound like Marcus Miller or Jacko or Mike Stern or whoever it is, unless I pick up the nuances in their playing. Yeah, exactly. And those you can transcribe it and you can look at tabs and you can look at Omni books, but, Unless you hear the whole group together, you probably aren't going to pick up the little details like that. Right, right. So that's what I mostly listen for. Um, There are times that I'm trying to hear the chord progression. There are times that I'm trying to pick out specific notes. But for the most part, I try to get the general gist of the song, figure Mm -hmm. out what what are they trying to tell me through this? You know, what's the what are they trying to convey? And basically, how are they trying to do it? Is it something that I have to play every note, note for note to do, or can I kind of give it my own little flair? Because sometimes you have to copy it note for note in order to get the right point across. But Right, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm normally listening for stuff like that, or like one specific thing that I'm trying to hear. Like if I'm studying the use of a pedal tone, I'll listen to a song and be like, okay, how does the pedal tone of this song affect everything else? You know, so it it depends on what I'm currently working on. But generally, it's just big picture ideas, not necessarily the specific notes. What about you? Um, well, I mean, 
one of the things that I wish I could rectify about myself is that I could have a better ear for things like chord progression and notes. I feel mm. like teaching has actually um, trained my ear a lot more unintentionally. Like I'm starting to right. hear tones in uh, lots of places when I'm like watching a movie, when someone just hits a an instrument and because I've started to um, hear the same simple songs over and over again, I'm starting to mm. recognize notes instantly. Like, uh, like to the point that sometimes it kind of has to be the exact note that I'm used to hearing around the middle of the keyboard. Um, but that's something that I've never actually experienced before is um, actually being able to identify a tone because my ear does not have that skill honestly like i struggle to hear what a chord progression really is and someone right, can right. judge me for that all they want but i'll still play around and back again around them any day but uh <laughs> um a lot of the time when i'm when i'm listening what i'm first going to do is drop all bias so and what I mean by that right. is okay. regardless of uh, who wrote the song, and I'm I'm talking all the way down to putting on something by Justin freaking Bieber um, <laughs> and listening to what's happening, listening to every single instrument. And uh, it's easiest if you have a setup in some way, whether it's really nice headphones or really nice speakers um, that will let you hear the full extent of it. So I never like actively listen with my earbuds. They're not going to be able to cover the low end enough. Um, right, right. The stereo effects won't be to its entirety. I'm not an audiophile or anything like that. But if you want to learn. But you want to hear everything. Yeah, exactly. You want to be able to actually hear it without anything getting muffled or uh, something in some way something's uh, have a, its tone sacrificed. So, um, the mm -hmm. biggest culprit of that is the poor bass player with bad speakers, um, that you won't hear properly or, uh, something like that. But story of my life. Yeah, really. <laughs> um, so when I'm going to listen to something like, the, uh, usually what I do is uh, right off the bat, the first couple seconds of the, uh, the song, will tell me a lot because that's how they're choosing to start the song and introduce it to you. Um, and mm -hmm. uh, this is just how I search Spotify for things that I'll add to my playlist because I have tons of playlists and tons of them are hours and hours and hours long from stuff I've found and discovered and added in as things that I love and I'm interested in. But uh, um, I'll listen to the first couple of seconds. If that catches my attention, then I'll skip to the middle of the song see what it sounds like around there. Usually it's in the middle of a chorus because that's just how songs tend to line up. And if something interesting is happening there, then I'll probably skip a little bit later, see if there's a, like some creative breakdown or a change, key change or something like that. And then I'll, if that also sounds okay, then, um, then I'll go back to the start and actually listen to it through and see basically whether or not it will hold my attention that much and um, how how catchy it is, which can be a good or bad thing, um, whether or not they do anything interesting or are they just kind of playing through because 
this is their official recording of their song, whether it's a cover or an original. This is what they chose to put out mm -hmm. there as the final product. So right. there are a lot of artists that they don't really do anything with it. Um, I think the biggest culprit of that is cover artists that they right. have their niche. It's like, I just do acoustic covers of pop songs, but they do zip with it. They mm. literally just play the chords and sing along and there's nothing that's actually unique and creative about it besides the fact that this is a an acoustic rendition of that pop song. Whereas if you pull up a, a group like Pomplamoose that has tons of covers and pumps out content relentlessly, any cover that you hear from them, it's like completely different song. There's sometimes that I've been listening to their stuff that it's a song that I know very well and I don't even recognize it until I actually realize, oh, whoa, hold on. That's that song. Sometimes it's because mm -hmm. they do mashups and it isn't that song until the chorus or something. But there were traces of that song before that that should have told it off. But they layer everything in so well that um, it's a genuine arrangement and original composition, even if they're taking ideas and covering it. So um, basically what I do in active listening is I get into a very critical mindset, not a grumpy mindset, not like Simon Cowell where I'm not allowed to love anything unless it's a boy band that'll make a billion dollars. It's, uh, it's a mindset where even if it's a band that I truly love and adore, I will be critical about their musical choices. Um, and see, did they do anything interesting? Did they do anything that will inspire my playing? Did they do anything mm. brand new? Or is this their same old, same old? Have they fallen into a right. pattern of this is just how they write songs? Because uh, that a lot of our classic rock anthems or, or uh, classic pop songs or oldies and such, if you then click on the rest of their catalog, that hit was the best version of their song. And all the other songs will right. sound exactly the same, just not as good. It wasn't the one that hit it big. Um, and that's why I uh, I literally will go through, and if, because uh, Spotify is pretty good about recommendation stuff, or at least it recommends a ton. It doesn't mean it's good at it. It just means it gives you a lot. So if there's something right, that yeah. I have one song from from an artist that I added, but I have nothing else from them, nor have I explored it, then I consider them a one-hit wonder of my playlist and will take a moment to actually look at their catalog and see if, uh, if everything else sounds the same or have I been missing out. Um, mm -hmm. Have they done all kinds of other creative musical things? Uh, like there's a uh, there's a band called the Struts that sounds like a like a a good old 80s hair metal band a lot of the time and they're they're really good they're uh, the singer is extremely talented has a unique voice um, they do suffer a bit from a bit of samey same but a lot of their hits do have enough creativity and they do mix in styles a little bit it kind of it uh 
Kind of reminds me of Aerosmith, but without the uh, connotations of the icky history of things Aerosmith did. <laughs> I don't know what this new right. band is up to, but it, it doesn't make me feel kind of guilty for listening to the music, at least. But uh, um, that's a band that if it weren't for just Spotify oddly giving me one of their songs to listen to and then me not... Uh, if I would have just ignored it, then I would have been missing out on a lot of cool music that I have never heard anywhere. Not on the radio, not in commercials, nowhere. Um, and they seem they they put out a lot of content. They're fun, and uh, and I I think that's something that people need to uh, recognize when they go and they actively listen is not to just lock yourself into I'm going to listen to Kind of Blue three million times until I know every single note, every harmony, every hit of the drum, but they never branch out to explore other avenues of integrating different things into their style. Um, I've said on the podcast before that I hate country music, but... Chet Atkins has highly affected my playing. And he's about as country Mm -hmm. as one can ever get. He's the most cowboy country gentleman that I've ever seen in music. But he is a huge inspiration to my playing and uh, my approach to finger picking um, and playing chords, especially in worship. A lot of the time there'll be a song that I'm Mm -hmm. just feeling it and it turns into more of a bluegrassy thing. And I'm playing Chet style. And that's right. a cool and interesting thing. And it's not very difficult to do if you just take the time to learn it, especially because it's worship music. You only have four chords. It's not an actual Chet song where it's bonkers in both hands. <laughs> um, true, true. But if, I have, if I'd just been a grump and learned that Chet Atkins is country, ill, then I would have missed out on <laughs> an entire avenue of my playing that... I absolutely love to do. Like technically, that finger picking style that I use sometimes is bluegrassy country, a style of music I don't enjoy, right, right. but it sounds fantastic, and I love doing it anyway. Um, right. If I didn't uh, take a moment to appreciate the guitar riff, I guess it's a riff, but the guitar comping that's in Daft Punk's "Get Lucky" that everybody has heard, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have recognized that that's Nile Rodgers. He's listed on everything. I wouldn't say that they really pushed that he's in it. And he's been in everything. And that is that is his thing. That would be my only complaint about Nile Rodgers. But his thing is a good thing. And if uh, you're a guitar player, you have to learn what Nile Rodgers did with that funky comping. Because that's exactly the kind of thing you need to learn for tons of styles of music. Um Right, that's and that's just a regular pop hit. So if I had been hipstery about it and not paid attention, I wouldn't have noticed that there's some really clever stuff in that song. I would have just been like, "I'm not listening to that. Yeah. It's on the Billboard Top 100. Are you kill? Are you kidding me?" <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's stuff to learn, and a lot of the songs that do end up getting a hit, there's a reason for it. Sometimes it's because the studio has a lot of money and a lot of push. Um, sometimes it's a viral hit. Right, that's true. Sometimes that is Yeah, true. sometimes it's a viral hit, like Gangnam Style. Um, that happened because of the internet. That's why it's the, one of the most viewed things on YouTube. It's It went viral. It's not because of a right. ton of money. It's 
um, not some sort of ton of push. It's not even that clever or anything. It just went bonkers. It's like uh, Rebecca Black's Friday song. It's one of those. It's a meme thing. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. But it yeah. is Friday <laughs> for us, not for you, listener. Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah, when you're listening to this, it's probably not Friday, but we're recording it's it Monday, on Monday, Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. Please don't start. <laughs> but so, sometimes there's a reason that a song is, is a big hit, and you want to figure right. out why. Um, admittedly, it, like I said, a lot of the time it's because the studio has big muscles, and they got it out there, and it was successful because all the sheeples are listening to it. Um, a lot of the time it's <laughs> celebrity push. I don't know why people like Kanye West music. I think it's because they're just interested in Kanye. I'm not sure. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. And like all the, uh, I I think a lot of the time they're just trends of what it's cool to listen to. Um, right. And I wouldn't say that just because things are cool to listen to, that's what you should go and learn how to play. Um, kind of like with guitar players that just because it's cool, quote unquote, to know Freebird doesn't mean that it's a good song. Sorry. (laughs) um at least not to me i don't like it i think it's boring but um i like the the vamp at the end of it where they just keep playing forever yeah yeah that's kind of i mean it it keeps you going for a while it it could use a bit of coltrane (laughs) (laughs) yeah um oh man they would have got along so great yeah yeah Yeah. i mean (laughs) never hit the stop on the recording (laughs) oh man but uh so, I, I think wow, that that's, that's, that's what you really need to do is to uh, you need to figure out what do you like to listen to and then figure out ways to break those yeah. rules. That way you can really right. learn to explore, to drop your bias and actually look for things that are musical, integrated into your playing, figure out how people did things. Um, you'll find new tonalities. I mean, I've recommended mm-hmm. Disaster Piece, which is 8-bit synthwave pixel music. And that heavily inspires my playing. And there's not a guitar to be seen near that music. Right. Um, yeah. And just do a little bit every day. I mean, you don't have to do this in, a, in a one day. No, no. Just do you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes a day, an hour if you've got it. If you're lucky enough to have two hours a day, great. I'm not that lucky. Some, most, most days I'm not. Yeah, exactly. But just do a little bit every day. Pluck away at it and you'll end up, you'll get there. A little bit every day. That practice session will help. And my simple recommendation is: don't listen to complex, complex music when you're driving. Uh, You'll end up disassociating well, yourself. What happens when that and I do get lost? <laughs> yeah, or getting lost. <laughs> I, I have to. If I'm listening to music in the car, usually it's podcasts. I must support my 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 trade. Uh, <laughs> um, but if I'm if I am listening to music, it has to be more simple, fun stuff that I could sing along to. I, I I usually don't listen to jazz in the car because it distracts me just a little bit too much to honestly be safe. Because I I'm not doing much else, especially if I'm driving on the highway. So uh, mm-hmm. I can't help but listen actively, and that's not exactly the safest situation to be uh, just sucking in on all the miles davis or whatever and 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 then suddenly look out for that tree Uh (laughs) uh-oh won't get to play it if you're in a ditch oh my gosh that's true uh that's true yeah moral of the week don't run your car into a tree or a ditch 
you can't practice if if you've exploded. That that's that's very. That's true. also why you don't drink Monster when you practice because you could explode it. <laughs> yeah, it it didn't kill me, but it could. <laughs> so, do you have a um, a recommendation of the week then for what to listen to? Um, do you? I need a moment to think because I know I have one, but I my brain. I've is got gone. one. <laughs> I've got one. Uh, there's a bass player that I've followed recently. His name is Norm Stockton. He's uh, released a couple of albums, and he's getting ready to drop his new album. It's going to be called Grooves and Sushi. And uh, he posted on YouTube, he's posted a couple things, uh, little previews of it. You should definitely check them out. They're amazing. They're like 20-minute episodes where he talks to the musicians that he recorded with and everything, and it just seems like it'd be, it would have been a ton of fun to be there. And it's some really good music. So definitely check that out. Norm Stockton. I think my recommendation, I'll just, I'll just echo what, uh, uh, what I said earlier. I, I talked a little bit about Pomplamoose. Um, if you probably just enter in Pompla, I don't think there's anything else in this planet that is anything like that word. So you'll probably find them. I'm not going to spell it out for you, but, uh, I, I feel like when I listen to them that they've been trained in jazz. It, I get that impression, at least for the instrumentalists. Um, there's a lot of interesting things that happen. Uh, very, very tight and clear um, accompaniments. Uh, very well put together grooves. Um, their originals are really fun. They're interesting and different. Uh, and like I said, the way that they write covers... Um, it changes in my mind how one approaches a cover of mm -hmm. taking something you love and making it something truly new. Um, they do have a lot of mashups. They're the, uh, the group that put together Chameleon and Superstition. And, I mean, they, they go together, two pigs in a blanket sort of a thing. It works perfectly. It's really fun. I've performed with that before. Um, I, I was doing that before I heard that recording because it's a no-brainer kind of thing. But I think we've played that live together. Yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah. We did that long before I actually heard that. But it's still cool to hear that someone else out there did it. Um, it's a very, They have a very relaxing style. It's um, there's, there's not... I wouldn't say that there's not a lot going yeah. on, but it, it, it's very relaxing. It's calm and reserved yet grooves very hard. <laughs> did, did you know they, you know, uh, the show Good Mythical Morning on YouTube, Rhett and Link? Well, of course. Did you know Pomplamoose wrote their theme song? What? Yeah. That makes They had so them on the show the other sense. day talking about it. Uh, that, yeah. it makes so much sense to me. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Another reason to listen to them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go watch Rhett and Link. I mean, you probably already do, but they're wonderful. Yeah, now you know the shows that we watch too. So you should watch ours and get your friends to watch ours. And uh, share it on uh, social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. Get us on Good Method. We're on iTunes. Leave us a review. <laughs> <laughs> Tell Rhett and Lake yeah, about us. <laughs> put us in the comments of Good Mythical Morning. Tell Rhett and Lake. Who knows? They might, we gave they them might a shout out. talk to us. I don't know. I doubt it. But hey, you know, who knows? They don't seem mean. They seem to be musical people. <laughs> they are musical alright everybody well thank you for listening please like comment subscribe share on social media and uh, you'll hear from us next week get this train rolling bug us with your presence email us <laughs> <laughs>
Let us know how much you That's hate true. us. <laughs> hey, whether you hate us or like us, tell us you like us. We'll feel better. <laughs> <laughs> we need some compliments. All right, we'll see you guys next week. All right, see you guys. Mm-hmm.